Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Favorite Show, the podcast where we talk about our favorite things. Every week, we pick a different topic to discuss, and since best can be subjective, we talk about the things that are our favorites. My name's Aaron. And I'm Shannon. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you've all been having a good time getting prepped for Thanksgiving. Uh, this episode is our, our episode that comes out before Thanksgiving, uh, so, you know, buckle up for that. We're going to talk about some some Thanksgiving stuff. But anyway, uh, <laughs> before we get on to that, we do have a couple of updates. I didn't have any emails to read, but a couple of updates. I left out a composer that I think is fantastic, and their name is, Shannon told me ahead of time, and I messed it up already, Satoshi Takabe. Yeah, you got it. Did I? Okay, right. Nice. I did it. They composed the music to From Up on Poppy Hill, which is one of my favorite Studio Ghibli movies. I love that movie so much, and the music is so good. I I think I mentioned when I talked about the movie that it takes place in, like, 1960s Japan. Like, they're prepping. It's it's that era when Japan was prepping for the Olympics coming back and was kind of like, hey, after all the carnage and devastation of World War II, we're back. We're back on the map. The music really reflects that time period. It feels very 1960s-ish and uh, is really, really good. So, anyway. I had to I had to shout them out. Also, I have an apology to make. I was talking about <laughs> laughing and kind of joking about Mark Mancina, one of my favorite composers, because he did the soundtrack to Twister. And I do love that movie and I love that soundtrack. And I said something like, oh, I don't know what else he's worked on. That's where I owe the apology. I should have looked up. He's done some big stuff. He's done a ton of music for Call of Duty. He did a bunch of stuff on Moana. Oh. He did a bunch of stuff for uh, Tarzan and Brother Bear, Over the Hedge. Holy cow. Uh, the 2003 uh, Haunted Mansion movie. Like, he's worked on a bunch of big stuff. He did a bunch of things for Terminator 3, uh, which, you know, was not my favorite Terminator movie, but still a Terminator movie. So anyway, sorry, Mark. I assume you're listening to the show. I'm sorry that all I know you for <laughs> is Twister. To be fair, I absolutely love your work in Twister, but he's done some other cool stuff. So there's my there's right my apology on. update. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. Shannon, you have any updates for us? Um, I actually do. I forgot about it until right this moment. I have an update to favorite Switch game or indie game. I don't remember if we did both of those. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I recently bought, it just came out within the last couple weeks and it's called Witchy Life Story and it is the most simple of games and I am hooked. It's so good <laughs> that it's uh, it's one that I found from a cozy gamer that I follow online and then a whole bunch of accounts are posting it. But basically the premise is that you are a witch from a prominent magic family and something happened in your past that you don't know. You're slowly uncovering it and your grandma has assigned you to a small town to complete your witch training and you are clearly not happy about it. The town is not super thrilled about it because they thought they were getting an experienced witch but then the gameplay is that you wake up, you tend your garden and collect your herbs that you need, you take spell orders from the people living in the town, you mix them up, then you go deliver them and that's it. That's the whole game. (laughs) This sounds lovely. Oh, it's so lovely and it's cozy and it's nice. And like there's a little section that, you know, shout out to our tarot episode. You can do a one, three or four card draw for yourself in the game. (laughs) That's Um, so great. And you have a little raven familiar named Ramsey, who's like your only friend at the beginning of the game. And so, yeah, it's really cute and it's very cozy. Like it is the chillest game I think I have ever played, (laughs) but it's very fun. That's so great. I'm going to have to 
download this game. It sounds amazing. I never realized that cozy gaming was a thing until the latest uh, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, the one that came out that we've talked about at length, which was near and dear to all of our hearts. <laughs> I never knew cozy gaming was a thing before that. And now I'm like, this is it. This I love this yeah. stuff. It's so good. Oh, yeah. That does remind me one more video game update, the opposite of a cozy game. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I talked about for Super Nintendo games, I think I mentioned F-Zero, which is a great racing <gasps> game. It's like a futuristic, like hover car racing game. And it's so good. None of the sequels I thought were as good, but the original one for Super Nintendo was amazing. They just came out. Nolan, Nolan mentioned when we talked about Switch games, I think, talking about Mario 35, which is a game where you had 35 people playing Super Mario Brothers at the same time. And it's kind of a battle against each other. They just just released F-099 <laughs> for the Switch, and it's the original F-Zero game with some tweaks, some cool updates to it, but it's basically the original F-Zero game, and you race against 99 other players at the same oh time on the same track, and it's ridiculous. It is so much fun, but it is just like nonstop chaos. <laughs> it's so insane. Oh, I have, I've played it a bunch and I've yet to win a race. It's so insane. <laughs> I think the highest I placed was 16th. So I'm not doing bad, but yeah, it's. I haven't even tried yet. It's I'll unbelievable. So it's, it's so <laughs> much fun. It's free to play. It's free, free downloads. So if you have a switch, you should try it out and just, just if nothing else, just for the chaos, just to be like, whoa, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. It's a good game. Love it. I guess that's it for updates, right? Anything else, Shannon? Yeah, no, that's it. All right. Well, so as I'm mentioned this is our episode that comes out before thanksgiving uh so we wanted to do a food topic and so what better than that most traditional of thanksgiving <laughs> foods noodles <laughs> we're gonna right. talk about our favorite noodles today <laughs> i don't know it's I'm, I'm excited for it i love noodles as i started doing some research for the background like the history of some of my favorite noodles there were a bunch that came to mind there is drama on the internet <laughs> And not just the internet, in the world about oh, yeah. noodles. Shannon, I'm sure you can speak to some of this. But so I initially, when I started thinking about noodles, I thought, all right, there's two basic camps, right? There's Asian noodles and there's Italian noodles or, or like Mediterranean European noodles, right? So obviously I'm thinking ramen and udon and those sort of things, but I'm also thinking spaghetti and fettuccine and whatever. And that's where it gets hotly contested on the internet. Is Italian pasta, is any of it noodles? And some people are in the camp of like, well, some of it, some of it is, right? Like a, like a angel hair or a, a fettuccine or a spaghetti. That's sort of a noodle, but like ravioli, you wouldn't call ravioli a noodle or, or tortellini, like a stuffed pasta. You wouldn't necessarily call that a noodle, but some people are like, well, shells, right? Like macaroni and cheese shells, like those are noodles. And other people are like, no. And then there are a lot of people who are like anything Italian pasta, pasta and noodles are vastly different. And how <laughs> dare you call anything from Italy a noodle? And it, it's kind of wild. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Shannon, what did you find about this? Well, I, I, mean, I was trying to find like any kind of definitive answer of like what's a noodle, what's a pasta, and it's kind of hard to find. Yes. Yeah. So like what I saw a lot of was that people seemed to, I was going to say agree, but that's not even true, but they seem to at least come to a general agreement in the recipe difference that, you know, Asian noodles, yeah, back to like ramen and things like that, are made in a very specific way using very specific ingredients. And 
those are ones that like historically came first because that was the other debate is who invented noodles and i guess that's Mm. a debate between italy and china and so that's where they're saying okay so these chinese noodles made by pulling the dough and all of that those are noodles so then transition to italian and european noodles those then are made with a different recipe they're more starchy and that's where they're saying well those are potentially pasta and potentially noodles, but that's at least the difference historically when we're trying to find the origin of it. So <laughs> recipe, I guess, <laughs> the the ingredients you choose in there is where there's kind of a difference, but I, I don't know. They're all good. <laughs> I like them. I know, them. <laughs> right? They're all good. The other thing that I found is that a lot of people were saying that it's an American thing to call just all of them noodles, right? Macaroni and cheese with macaroni noodles is is generally an American uh, Americanism or whatever you want to call it, that for whatever reason, I, I can never find any any definitive answer, but for whatever reason, Americans just, they kind of lump it all in together. Because I initially thought like, well, this is just, this is another case of, of you know, like not not to bash on Europe, but like, you know, they, they can be very specific with things like, right, champagne can only come from this certain region or this certain thing, or like this kind of cheese is only in this certain village in this country. You know, like it's very super specific to be classified as something. So I assume that's what it was, is like Italy was just like, no, it's a pasta. It's not the noodles. <laughs> uh, and, but it's, so anyway, yeah. So for whatever reason, Americans like to kind of lump that all in together. But yeah, there's there's definitely big differences. And it seems like it's not necessarily tied to the shape of it either. Like Asian noodles tend to be long, but they're not all long. There are Asian noodles that are shorter or folded or even like shell shaped, that sort of thing. But anyway, so that was where I found the hotly contested things of like people people being like, well, spaghetti is a noodle. It's shaped like a noodle, but like a sheet of a sheet of lasagna pasta, like that's not a noodle, is it? Or like, you know, a, a a stuffed shell or rigatoni is that is that a noodle and so well, i mean even the wikipedia <laughs> entry was like noodles are like you know from china and vietnam and japan and parentheses long thin pasta from italy <laughs> yes <laughs> so like we have this little like asterisk in there <laughs> yeah no it's funny i even i even pulled that up because the entry for long and medium length pasta you know includes <laughs> things like like uh you know stuff stuff we've all heard of uh fettuccine and linguine and it does say lasagna that's long but mm-hmm. wide yes you know all these different kinds but again don't don't say that to a chef and definitely don't say it to an Italian prison. They will they will not take kindly it seems to but apparently calling their stuff noodles. On the Wikipedia entry for noodles though, it does say some interesting things. So the earliest recorded evidence of noodles was discovered in northwestern China from about 4000 years ago. Uh, is what a, what uh, Wikipedia says. Like you said Shannon, there's there's some debate of was it the Chinese or was it the Italians, but most places I found attributed mm-hmm. the very first earliest evidence uh, to China. And and they've kind of spread to a lot of other countries from each of those uh, originating areas. There's so many different kinds of noodles across Asia and uh, even across Europe too. Italy, obviously, uh, with their their pasta, but there are German uh, noodles. Again, I, I feel like I have to use in quotations all the time whenever I talk about the European style now. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, whatever. Um, but yeah, so... I'm a big fan of noodles, and I suspect, Shannon, you and I are going to have a lot of crossover, but I say we jump into it. And I'm going to start with the ones that are pretty uh, uncontested as just noodles, and then maybe toward the end I'll talk about a couple of, uh, might just be pasta, but I would call them a noodle anyway. (laughs) So we'll we'll go from there. Yes. Who should start? I failed again. 
Do not care. <laughs> Go for it. You start us off. All right. I'm going to start with one that you have talked about at length already back when we talked about soups, but I want to talk about ramen. Oh, yeah. Because ramen's just the best. And especially right now as we're getting into the end of the year where things are getting colder, this is when I love ramen the most. It's good year-round. It's always good. But I feel like when it's cold outside, there is almost nothing better than a hot bowl of ramen when it's when it's chilly. Even even when it's just California cold, like I like it is here. <laughs> uh, you know, I still am like chilly, and I'm like, I need that hot ramen to get me going. So ramen is a Japanese noodle dish. It does have its origins from Chinese wheat noodles, Chinese style wheat noodles served in a broth. There are co- lots of different common flavors, including uh, soy sauce and miso. Toppings tend to include things like sliced pork, nori, which is dried seaweed, uh, menma, which is bamboo shoots and scallions, eggs, all kinds of good toppings that you can put on ramen. And there are all kinds of different specific types of ramen uh, around Japan, which I thought was pretty cool. And obviously makes sense when you think about it, but I just hadn't even thought about it. But like, you know, same as here in the United States where like you go to different regions and like they've all got their twist on the burger, right? All the different burger toppings and stuff. All across Japan, there's different types of broth, different traditional toppings and things to go with the ramen. And it's very, very wide and diverse types of stuff. It's pretty cool. According to Wikipedia, uh, the origin of ramen is traced back to Yokohama Chinatown in the early 20th century. The word ramen is a Japanese borrowing of the Chinese word uh, lamian, I assume is how you say that, Uh, which which means pulled noodles. I don't speak any of these languages. Nope. Uh, But anyway, yeah, so it was uh, kind of adapted from these foods from Chinese settlers in Yokohama. Ramen gained popularity in Japan, especially during the food shortages following World War II. In 1958, instant noodles were invented by Momofuku Momofuku Ando, I think is how you say that name, uh, further popularizing the dish. And today, ramen is a cultural icon in Japan with many regional varieties and a wide range of toppings. And of course, is also well known as a Japanese dish across the world, not just in Japan. Shannon, you especially are the ramen expert. We've talked about it, but what are what are some of your favorites? I'm we talked about it a little bit in the past, but I'm 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 still trying more and more things. I want to hear your favorites. <laughs> um, I mean, my favorite as far as like the different broths go, like you said, all the different regions. Uh, tonkatsu is a pretty good one. It's like a bone, uh, pork bone broth. Uh, my most favorite though is a miso ramen, which. Like, we've kind of, I think we talked about in the soup episode, miso soup is just broth and doesn't quite do it for me, (laughs) but it's such a good flavor. And so if you put noodles in that, now it's amazing for me. So a miso broth with ramen is really good. We'll, We'll make our own at home from time to time. And so my favorite for sure is to do it with buttered corn, a thick cut ham, a soft boiled egg. And then sometimes we'll do like the nori, the dried seaweed. At home, that doesn't tend to (laughs) stay as good as it is like in a restaurant or things. Hmm. But that's kind of my go-to. Alex will add scallions to his. But yeah, definitely the noodle makes a difference too. Because like the miso broth is really, really good. But doing instant especially, you got to pick a good brand I definitely recommend Shin. Shin Ramen is the favorite that we've found so far. That's one of my favorites, too, that you introduced me to. Because for the longest time, I just went with whatever, you know, basic instant ramen that you get at whatever the grocery store. Nissan, I think is how Mm -hmm. you say it. And some of those those brands. Which actually, Nissan... Uh, ramen was the very first uh, to be exported from Japan of the, the the brands of like instant ramen. Oh, very cool. But yeah, it's fun. It's fun trying these different things. I actually, you you mentioned about the the 
miso, looking on Wikipedia about the different variations and specific kinds of ramen that you find across Japan, miso ramen is very popular and, and specific to Sapporo, which is pretty cool. And across across Japan, you find like in, in Tokyo, it's very common to have ramen with a soy-flavored chicken broth. Uh, Yokohama is a soy-flavored pork broth, just all these different kinds of things. I, I'm partial to a, like a beef broth on my ramen. And I also feel like it's the, the quality of the noodle is important. And also the way you cook it is important. For the longest time, I would just pop it in and just like let it cook way too long. And as, I've, as I'm trying different kinds, I'm realizing, oh, you only need to boil that stuff for like like, a, like two minutes. Like it does not yeah. take very long <laughs> to get that stuff going. And I'm realizing it makes a difference because the longer you cook it, the more obviously uh, the more water or the more liquid that the, the noodles absorb. And so if you cook it too long, by the time it's cool enough to actually eat and not burn your face off, these noodles are like so like thick and like almost soggy. And so if you just boil it for like a minute, like by the time it's good to eat, like it's, that's when it's perfect for me. Well, and I also, I like to boil it, like some recipes, it, uh, it's kind of debatable, but I like to not just boil mine in plain water. I like to do the broth and boil it in the broth because then the noodles are more flavorful because mm-hmm. I don't usually drink all my broth. So I like that too. I also have been seeing a lot more uh, on TikTok. I got onto ramen TikTok for a while there <laughs> and uh, there's some pretty interesting broth options you can make too. For example, a lot of times, even if you just have the basic, you know, sauce packet or whatever, or the, the basic cheap cheap stuff from the store, there's a lot of things you can do to kind of spice that up and, and improve the broth. One of the guys I was I was seeing was combining, uh, so he would cook the noodles in just, you know, the just boil them in water. And then in a separate bowl, he would combine like, oh, what's the name of the, the good uh, uh, Kewpie mayo? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He would do that and he'd put some soy sauce, he'd put the like seasoning packet and then some of the hot, you know, or some of the boiled water and mix that up into like, like a base for the noodles and then transfer that over instead of just straight seasoning packets. So there's all kinds of cool things you can do to spice it up and 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 make things make things interesting. And yeah, like I, I like an egg in my ramen. I really like actually <laughs> you can buy uh steakums. It's like the like the super like thinly sliced frozen beef like you would make Philly steak sandwiches and whatever. Oh. But like the beef is just plain and then you season it up. That stuff's really good to put in ramen as I well. Bet that's good. Really thinly sliced uh so you can cook it either to be crispy or just like just enough to be chewy and you can season it however you want and yeah i just ramen's so good it's super quick it's generally cheap and it's great for a cold day and i just yeah i love ramen well and it's we also yeah like as far as our protein and ramen goes like definitely an egg but we'll just do whatever kind of leftovers we've got so here we are coming up on thanksgiving some leftover turkey in there or some leftover ham it's really good (laughs) yeah super good I mean, one that goes along with that so well that I'm going to go ahead and just kind of lump into that one is uh, udon noodles, which Mm -hmm. are very similar to ramen in the fact that it is, you know, a Japanese soup, but udon noodles are very, very, very thick. (laughs) And I shouldn't describe them this way. I absolutely should not. But my (laughs) mom described them once as worms. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I hate to do that because that sounds gross, but that's exactly what they are. <laughs> oh, we're not selling them well, are we? 
<laughs> They're really, really good. They're thick wheat flour noodles that can be prepared in a variety of ways, um, different broths, different seasonings and things. But like you can even get instant udon noodles at the store now because there's so many varieties of, of ramens and things that you can find. You can find udon in the exact same place and it's very good. The one that we got recently, I don't... I don't think it was miso, actually. I think it was more of like a soy sauce base, but it was it was really good. One thing, like, you know, a lot of times they do it as like a hot pot meal, which is kind of an interesting tradition there that it's like a, a big bowl of the broth that's boiling and you all at the table kind of add your own things to it. So like maybe you'd put in some meat and let it cook in the broth and then you'd take it out and eat it. Or maybe you'd put some noodles in and then you'd kind of take it out and have your own own bowl that you're kind of dipping things in the broth and then you're putting it back in your own bowl. So you kind of have this like joint, I don't know, hot pot's kind of hard to explain, I feel like. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely one that there's a lot of variations on. One thing that's interesting is that it's also commonly eaten cold, which I am not a big fan of the cold noodles. <laughs> I I think they're better just cooked and in a, a tasty broth but i've never yeah. had cold udon before that's interesting hmm. it it's fine it's definitely better <laughs> hot i think <laughs> but that's my preference so i love udon and I, I also like the udon like you said they're really thick noodles which size comparison to worms not consistency or no. anything else to worms just <laughs> put that make that clear i i love because they're so thick they kind of have this like really like full chewy like texture to them which is really delicious with the hot broth is nice and the different kinds of things that go with them like for example we talk about ramen a lot of times with ramen you do you know ham or you do uh you know beef or pork you do that sort of thing with udon i almost always see it served with uh like like tempura whether it's vegetable tempura or like shrimp or that sort of thing i see it served frequently with tofu which can be done really really good i also have had it a couple times with kamaboko which is like i think i'm saying that right which is like a sliced fish cake, which is really, really good. So I just think it's interesting that even though they're so, you would think oh, it's just big noodles, little noodles, but like the kinds of things you serve them with are so different too uh, and makes a big difference. But I will say the one thing, whenever I go get udon, they always serve it with like one of those big, like flat spoon looking things or whatever. I yep. I don't know. I'm sure it's a traditional thing. That's the most useless device to pick <laughs> up a noodle with, let alone yes. giant noodles. <laughs> I cannot, I, they always, get, they always bring you that big flat spoon and I'm always like, all right, throw that away. <laughs> I, need well, a, I need a fork or I need some, at least yes. chopsticks, but the well, spoon, that's the thing. <laughs> I can't. They, yes. Well, and they, they do that for ramen too. And like, you know, the whole purpose of it is that you pick up different toppings and stuff and the noodles, you put it in your spoon so you can take a bite with everything at once. Yes. Yeah. But with <laughs> udon, those noodles are too big. They don't <laughs> stay in the spoon. No, never no, do. It's, it's pointless. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe other people who have better skills than I do because I'm not I'm also not particularly good with chopsticks either so maybe people who actually are skilled with that can do it but not not me I'm <laughs> I'm the old American guy who needs a fork <laughs> give me a fork oh man but yeah no udon was on my list as well I love udon it's really really good I've actually never had the instant udon before I've only ever had it like at restaurants where it's freshly made yeah. so I'll have to try the instant kind it is it's really good it's not dehydrated like ramen is so like when you get instant udon 
it's like vacuum sealed. Oh, and right. Like they're in kind of like a wet packaging, like mozzarella, like fresh mozzarella. Gotcha. Okay. Because I've had ramen that's that way too. Like sometimes I think I, I mm. might have mentioned this when we mm. talked about it last time. There's a, a Korean market, uh, not terribly far from our house, called H Mart. Uh, that's just all like it's, it's primarily Korean, but it's it's all kinds of Asian Asian uh, foods. Just a you know, supermarket, but they have an entire aisle that's all noodles, mostly ramen. But they also have like a refrigerator section. And yeah, you can get these ramen packets that are more of like a, yeah, not dried bricks. It's just like the vacuum sealed noodles. And next time I go, I'm sure the udon has been there and I've just totally looked right past it. So next time we go, I'll have to, I'll have to take a look and see if I can find that. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I think the brand that we bought even was that Nissan that. Oh, really? Oh, that makes uh, sense. It was because it was a brand that I recognized and I was like, hey, we like these ones. Let's, let's try the suit on out. So nice. I like that a lot. Uh, well, let's see. The next one I want to talk about is chow mein. I love chow mein. This stuff's so good. Uh, it's a tra- traditional Chinese dish, uh, made from stir fried noodles. The noodles are, are very similar to what you would find in a ramen soup, but instead of being served in a soup form, they're stir fried with vegetables, oftentimes meats or tofu. And I just think it's it's an excellent food for just like when you just need to like chow down. Yeah. <laughs> chow, <laughs> chow mein. No, oh, I didn't even mean to do that. Uh, <laughs> it was unintentional. But chow mein is just so good like when you're just like really hungry because it's like so, I don't know. I can't, my words are not working right now. I really like well, chow mein. <laughs> it's the one that you go to a Chinese restaurant and that's the food that you can fill up on happily. Like yes. you can only have so much of different types, but yeah, that's that's the side that you can just eat your fill of. Yeah. In fact, a lot of times when we get, you know, Chinese takeout, they ask you for different sides, you know, rice or chow mein or whatever. I have no problem with rice, but if I have the option, I will just like go full on double up chow mein because I love yeah. that stuff. There's a place that's not too far from us in North Hollywood. I think the actual name of the place is the is J&J Walk. Uh, it's a Chinese place, but we just have always referred to it as cheap Chinese. That's ah, what, that's why. I was like, wait, I recognize that. Yes, Stephanie. <laughs> that's what Stephanie's dad always called it was cheap Chinese because it's it's very inexpensive, but they, they serve you the food in like these, you know, big kind of styrofoam clamshells. And I always, you know, like to get my orange chicken and, you know, stuff like that. Stephanie loves broccoli beef. And then you get your side of whatever you want. And I always go for chow mein. And they pack this clamshell so full that it is just like bursting. And like, if you put it in the refrigerator and then take it back out to open it up and stuff, it's like molded into the shape of the... Because they pack it so full in this little clamshell. But their chow mein is so good, which is so funny because it's just like this little hole in the wall. I don't know. Maybe that's that's the way it goes. Is these hole in the wall places are so, so great. But yeah, I love chow mein. I, I love all the different things that go into it. I, I like when people kind of make a chow mein slash stir fry with, you know, they'll add the same kind of stuff you put into fried rice, but they add it to the chow mein with eggs and, and vegetables and stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. Chow mein is just so good. I'm getting really hungry as we're talking about this. Yes. <laughs> I, in my research, as I was reading up on these, I was like, oh man, I'm so hungry. And I was like, okay, ramen. Yeah, that sounds good. But you know, it was a pretty warm day here today. So I'm feeling okay. Ooh, chow mein sounds really good. The one that got me <laughs> is mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh man. And it doesn't help. The Wikipedia article for macaroni and cheese has a picture of the most delicious overflowing skillet of mac and cheese. Hold on. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that looks so good. It looks so good. That looks amazing. Anyway, (sighs) this this is definitely one of those... 
that is debatable on if it is pasta or <laughs> doubles as noodles or what, but I don't care. I love it. So this is the episode we're going to talk about mac and cheese. <laughs> um, so in this article, it is talking about how its origins trace back to cheese and pasta casseroles back in the 14th century in, in Italy and medieval England. Talked about how it's traditionally baked in an oven, but it could be prepared with a saucepan or on a stovetop. And there was another uh, article I was reading about that talked about the device divisiveness. I don't know. There's a lot of debate in the United States about the correct way to make mac and cheese because they're saying like, you know, it's going to be really different if you're at like a Southern cookout and you get mac and cheese compared to like a craft mac and cheese that you could get at a grocery store or things uh -huh. like that. But definitely universally in the U.S., it is considered a comfort food. And <laughs> this was my favorite thing about the Wikipedia article is they have some original uh, recipes up here. So here is the first recorded 14th century uh, recipe from the English cookbook, The Form of Curry, uh, hmm. um, translated from Middle English is listed make a thin sheet of dough and cut it in pieces place them in boiling water and boil them well take cheese and grate it and add it and place butter beneath and above as with loisins which was a dish similar to lasagna huh. and serve huh. we had <laughs> the first modern recipe which was included in the 1769 cookbook the experienced english housekeeper Ooh. Uh, to dress macaroni with Parmesan or Parmesan cheese, boil four ounces of macaroni till it be quite tender <laughs> and lay it on a sieve on a, right? Sieve? 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 Okay. I don't know. I said that right. Okay. <laughs> I said it sounded wrong. And lay it on a sieve to drain, then put it in a tolling pan with about a gill of good cream, a lump of butter <laughs> rolled in flour, boil it five minutes, pour it on a plate, Lay all over it Parmesan cheese toasted. Send it on to the table on a water plate, for it soon goes cold. I like the verbiage of that one. That's good. Right? <laughs> so I, that was, I thought, the most fun part of this Wikipedia article. They have one yeah. more uh, from 1784, Modern Cookery in All Its Branches. Oh, in uh, 1845, similar to that uh, recipe, though, talked about how to uh, cook another dish. But um, what I thought was interesting is we have all these recipes and all these different cheese casserole dishes and recipes, but it gained popularity in the United States, sort of from Thomas Jefferson, who had the dish in Paris was obsessed with it. Jefferson drew a sketch of the pasta and wrote detailed notes on the extrusion process <laughs> and commissioned his uh, classically trained French chef, who uh, James Hemmings was his name, asked him to make it for him. He commissioned the U.S. ambassador to France, William Short, to purchase a machine for making it. The machine was not suitable as Jefferson later imported both macaroni and Parmesan cheese, he went to all of these lengths to get this dish. And at that time, he would serve it to the people who came to visit him and different things like that. And it became really, really popular. Wow. I had no idea all that stuff happened. Right? <laughs> so... They should have had a song about that in Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, so either way, that's kind of where it began. And, you know, it definitely took off from there. Lots of recipes. It's just calling for macaroni, cheese, butter, layer it together and do what you're going to do. But obviously, like, you know, there's a lot of variety now that people do breadcrumbs on top, like toasted breadcrumbs. There are some different restaurants and stuff that they'll add like a barbecue pulled pork or something to it oh, or yes. <laughs> add in jalapenos or chilies or things like that. So, so many varieties to it, but I don't think I've ever had a bad mac and cheese, I'll be honest. Yeah, I do love mac and cheese. And that's one that anytime I go get barbecue or, you know, Southern yes. cookout or whatever, that's always a side I get. I, I mean, I love it as the main dish for sure. But yeah, I love it. It's it's always like my number one choice for a side. If it's anywhere, I'll, I'll get it. I think it's interesting the different kinds of cheeses that people use for mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the recipes you were just talking about included Parmesan. Almost all the ones I've had are cheddar or some sort of cheddar-flavored American type of cheese. But a lot of the best macaroni and cheeses I've had are a blend of different things. I also feel like the noodle itself makes a difference. Like the yes. base, basic macaroni elbow, uh, elbow macaroni is good. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But even just from like the store-bought like craft box of macaroni and cheese, like the basic, you know, cheapest macaroni and cheese you can do, the shells. I think the shells are, I shouldn't say better because it's the favorite show, but I love, I love the shells. They're so good. I, I was the same way that I always preferred shells until I discovered the like really thick macaroni elbow noodles that mm. like are the restaurant style. Those ones might be a little above shells for me, but like the little craft macaroni noodles don't do it. Yeah. But there's so many good things you can do with that. I Like you said, when people will add like pulled pork or brisket to it and whatever, mm. it's so delicious. Mm-hmm. I've made it at home where you add like bacon crumbles uh, that are really tasty. So many, so many good things you can do to it. And the funny thing is that actually leads me to my next noodle. Speaking of noodles making a big difference, my, my favorite noodle for macaroni and cheese and for lots of other other pasta again we're we're you know in controversial <laughs> territory here is cavatappi so do you know what cavatappi is shannon nope i'm going to the internet <laughs> it's most excellent so it's a macaroni oh, noodle yes. but it's it, it's it's longer and it's formed into a helical tube is what is what uh, wikipedia calls it it's just like a long corkscrew noodle uh that is hollow so it's a macaroni again say a noodle whatever if, you, <laughs> if, if this is triggering for you i apologize but yeah so it's a, it's a corkscrew macaroni noodle it has a bunch of different names in Italy, uh, including a bunch. Well, I guess I should try saying these: Celentani, uh, uh, Amori, uh, Serpentini. Oh, that one makes sense. Spirali, Spirali, which sounds good. Torselli, Tortoglione, and Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> what no! in the world? Scoot with an I, Scooby Doo. I don't, I don't know. There's some backstory there, and I can't find it. Anyway, so there is a specific kind of pasta called corkscrew pasta, which is different from cavatappi in some way that I don't know. Uh, <laughs> again, when it comes to the pasta types, there are so many very specific things that that go into it. But anyway, uh, I first learned of cavatappi. Stephanie used it making I don't know what. It might have been macaroni and cheese, but it's it's pretty easily accessible or pretty easily obtainable. You can find it at most grocery stores around here, um, uh, around here, meaning the United States, <laughs> not just in, not just in <laughs> California, but Stephanie, when she would make uh, a macaroni and cheese, she would make like a, a, like a cheese base, like a roux sauce or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and add a bunch of cheese to that to make it really nice and gooey. And then yeah, add these cavatappi noodles to it. And it's so good. I just think 
they have having that extra surface area makes a difference whether whether you're doing it as a macaroni and cheese or whether it's like any other sort of like you know pasta noodle dish the cavatappi has more surface area it has more internal area as well for like sauces and things to get onto and get into and i feel like for me that makes a big difference uh in the the way that the the way the flavors get into my mouth (laughs) having just more to more to coat gets in there good. But yeah, cavatappi if, of, of the, the pasta noodles, I think is probably my favorite for almost every situation I've had it in. Yeah, no, I, I agree. That one's really, really good in mac and cheese. That's also a really good one to have with like a pesto sauce mm-hmm. or even just to have in like a pasta salad that it's exactly oh, yeah. how you said yeah. it, that you just get so much more surface area <laughs> covered with all the different tasty flavors. So yeah. All right, let's see. Um, well, since we're in the pasta territory, let's talk spaghetti. Yay! Spaghetti is such a classic that, you know, we just talked about mac and cheese being a comfort food. I feel like spaghetti kind of gets that way in my book, too. And it's just just especially spaghetti with red sauce and meatballs. Like, that was... I feel like that's the a good go-to easy meal to make, as well as a cheap meal to make. So definitely a favorite there. It says even in this uh, Wikipedia entry that it is a staple food of traditional Italian cuisine. Mm. It's one that I don't know if I just, yeah, if it was just for a while, my TikToks were all these different chefs making things. And, <laughs> you know, it was always so impressive because you'd have all of the different like artisan bread loaves. But I got to the point that I had like a half a dozen very old Italian women making (laughs) pasta. (laughs) And it was great. And I truly like, I don't know if it was just that they did it in a way that they've done it all their lives and they made it look easy because it was just them. Or if it's actually an easy process because I was watching them make these spaghetti noodles or fettuccine noodles. And I found myself being like, I think I could do that. Like, (laughs) you're doing a lot to, you know, make it really thin. Sure. And that I don't have the rolling pin that's like as long as my coffee table or anything like that (laughs) but like it seems like it's just a whole bunch of eggs and flour and you're just kneading it and rolling it out and that's like the process so definitely on my list i would love to make some homemade uh spaghetti or fettuccine noodles one of these days but i don't know it's just it's such a classic it had to go on my list we had a neighbor growing up that she would make us homemade uh, chicken noodle soup. And so she had those egg noodles that she made homemade that were so good. So maybe it's not actually that hard. Kristen, <laughs> Kristen, when you hear this, text me. Have you made it before? Tell me how hard it is. Yes, Kristen would know. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, I think I might have mentioned it on TikTok episode about Nona Pia, who is a... a, a like you said, an old Italian grandma that uh, <laughs> I follow on on social media, and she's always making all kinds of stuff. But yeah, I've watched her make uh, uh, gnocchi. I've watched her make that a Ooh, few times, yeah. and I'm like, you know what? I I think I could do this. That looks like it's pretty fairly simple, and that one actually doesn't require any rolling. They're almost like a like a potato dumpling sort of thing. Uh, again, I don't know if that's a noodle. I don't know. <laughs> Probably uh, not. Who I don't knows? Know. I did make homemade gnocchi for Alex's birthday this year. It was very easy, and it was delicious. Oh, Definitely okay. give it a try. 
I got to try it then. Yeah, because I, I think making your own noodles would be really cool. I've even had the thought that it would be really cool to try and make my own ramen noodles. Ooh, that'd be fun. But yeah, again, I, I get busy and getting the instant stuff is just easier. But <laughs> Oh, yeah. But yeah, no, I do I do love spaghetti, a good traditional spaghetti and meatballs or, you know, an Alfredo sauce. I feel like Alfredo sauce goes well with any kind of noodle. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. Uh, the last one I want to talk about goes back uh, away from pasta territory, squarely into noodle territory, and that's soba. And Oh, yes. I really like soba. So soba, in the way it's served, is very similar to ramen. But soba is uh, it's a thin Japanese noodle, and it's made from buckwheat, which gives it a very different flavor and texture. Again, it could also be served chilled with a dipping sauce, which I've never had, or hot in a noodle soup, which is always how I've had it. It's it's typically served in uh, miso soup, uh, although not always, but that's kind of the, the typical serving of it. But I love the the buckwheat noodles because they have such a like thickness and heartiness to them and like a really like satisfying chewiness. <laughs> Kristen's going to kill me, but Adam, <laughs> the mouthfeel, it's it's real and it's legit. And I feel like soba noodles have such a good mouthfeel. I'd had to say it one more time just to make Kristen crazy. <laughs> anyway, I won't say it anymore. But yeah, soba noodles are super good. I, I typically, when I've had them, I... I know you can have them with a lot of the traditional toppings on them, similar to ramen or udon, but I, I almost always, whenever I've had uh, a soba, it's just the noodles and the soup. And then there are other side things that not, aren't necessarily in the soup with it. I know that's that's not the only way you can have it, but that's the way I've, I have. And it's just really good and filling and delicious and the perfect thing for a cold day. And yeah, I just, I love soba noodles. Very, very Tasty stuff. Oh, yes. Well, last one that I wanted to go into detail on is one I just uh, mentioned quickly, which was chicken noodle soup. Oh, yeah. And definitely, again, I think the noodles makes a difference for me because, yeah, we had we had this neighbor and she made it with this very thick homemade noodles. And so the, those very uh, thick, I think they were egg noodles or in even looking at this different recipes, say even with like dumplings, but where you have that very good, very starchy <laughs> addition to this soup, I think is my very favorite way to have it. Um, as far as preparing it though, that's another one. Like noodles, the noodles is the easy recipe <laughs> episode for us for sure. Just because for me, for chicken noodle soup, it's totally what you have on hand. Like it sound like sounds like you have to have chicken, but you don't. Again, leftover turkey from Thanksgiving or things like that. Whatever vegetables I happen to have on hand, or that might be going bad soon, so I want to hurry and use them up. But it's such an easy soup that is so good. And, you know, it was interesting to see that, you know, there's a whole tab in the Wikipedia article about its alleged medicinal properties. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about how it has long been touted as a form of folk medicine to treat symptoms of the common cold and related conditions, uh, to the point that... Uh, scientists at the University of Nebraska Medical Center in Omaha actually studied the effect of chicken soup on the inflammatory response uh, in vitro. And so, you know, there are some things that they found that worked, others that, you know, are kind of debatable. But either way, I think that's fun that the the fact that, you know, people have always talked about it. And so people are like, okay, well, let's let's try these studies. Like, you know, New York Times uh, reviewed some studies and things. And, you know, nothing is conclusive. But 
you know, if it makes you feel better. <laughs> you're feeling <laughs> sick, and so you have some good soup, and you're like, oh, yeah, this everything's going to be okay now. You know, I've always equated it because, yeah, I know there is that that thing of like, oh, you got a cold, get some chicken noodle soup. I've always just equated it to the fact that it's like, like a hot broth. Oh, Because yeah. for me, again, going back to ramen, like on a cold day, I love a nice hot ramen to have for dinner. But also whenever I get sick, like if I, especially if I have a cold, like, ramen's like the number one thing. Like I'll just Uh eat ramen until I feel better. Like, (laughs) I don't know, something about, I'm I'm no doctor. I have no insight to any of this, but I feel like the hot broth gets something going in my body to help me feel better. Even if it doesn't actually cure anything, I feel better at least. (laughs) Well, and one, one actual definitive thing that they found is that a lot of chicken soups contain the amino acid cysteine. I don't know what that is, hmm. but it's similar to uh, a different chemical that is used to help fight respiratory infections. So if you have bronchitis or something, it's exactly what you said. Apparently, the just right amino acid mixed with the hot beverage down your throat, like that'll that'll help you out. So nice. There you go. Well, cool. I've got a couple of honorable mentions to shoot off later, but uh, this probably seems like a good spot to wrap it up unless you have anything else, Shannon, before no, the I end. No, that's good. Sweet. I guess that's a good spot to wrap it up. As usual, we want to hear what you think. Send us an email at thefavoriteshow at gmail.com. Look us up on Instagram at thefavoriteshowpodcast. Let us know your favorite noodles, what what you think is a noodle or not a noodle. <laughs> <laughs> want to hear where you, where you stand in this great divide. <laughs> also, let us know if you have suggestions for future topics or guests or whatever. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and we'd love a five-star rating if you like what you hear if you don't feel like giving us a five-star rating is it because you are one of these italian grandmas from tiktok (laughs) that we talked about we have offended profusely and you are (laughs) you are just in a rage that we have talked about some of these things uh we do apologize we're american (laughs) i don't know if that is a good excuse but that's the one i'm using (laughs) there you go oh man well i guess that'll do it until next week my name's aaron and i'm shannon talk to y'all later Bye. Oh, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) And cue the music. (laughs) I have three honorable mentions. have four honorable mentions. All right. Honorable mention number one, Noodle the Pug. (laughs) 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 May may they rest in peace. What a good puppy. (laughs) Oh, good. All right. Here's the debatable ones. Ravioli. See, that one definitely did not make it on my list. I I had tortellini, which is another stuffed pasta, but I, as soon as I started looking at the controversy, I was like, all right, I got to take that off my list. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I made it to the honorable mentions. Noodle, the guitarist in Gorillaz. A Cine di Pepe, which is what you can find in Frog Eye Salad. Nice. There was a great show, in, I think it was in the 90s, called PB&J Otter, and they used to do the noodle <laughs> dance when they had to use their noodles to figure out the problem. Oh, good. <laughs> noodle. Use your noodle. <laughs> <laughs> Last one for me is specifically Fettuccine Alfredo, which, if done properly, is just butter and fresh Parmesan cheese mixed together until it emulsifies. Yeah. So good. I like that you had actual food and I just was like being dumb. (laughs) Your list was much better.